Hey everybody, it's Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Controllers podcast. Welcome to uh, episode 44. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to blast through our uh, social media preambles. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We've been using a lot lately since it seems to be a little more instantaneous over Facebook and a few other things. Uh, you can just search us by the full name yeah. on Twitter. I would just say search on, instead of going back and forth on what how to find us on each thing, I would just... I think searching our name, the full name of the podcast, kind of tends to lead you to where you're supposed going. to go. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But you can I search us on everything we pop up. So okay, that's yeah. good. Uh, just use the full name of the podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter, and uh, on Spotify. You can find the podcast as well as Drew's um, curated. Uh, playlist that has all the songs that we've played so far, which we'll be adding one to today. one to the list today. Uh, we more recently have also gotten uh, we've gotten a Patreon, but we only ha- we just, like just two tiers. Two right? tiers. One you just uh, you get access to the episode unedited on the day we record it. Like whatever today is, you know, I will uh, we'll finish recording, and at some point today. I'll go post it to the Patreon so you get the unedited mess that this is. And then uh, a tier two, which we hope somebody uses at some point eventually, would be you pick any game, any game regardless of difficulty or stupidity, off of Game Pass, and either me or Blake or both will uh, do a stream of it. Or play it with uh, said person, depending on. Yeah, if they want us to play a game, some stupid game with them, that's fine too. So that's the only, the only really two tiers we have on Patreon. So fun stuff. Let's see, we also have the Reddit and Discord, which we don't use the Reddit too much yet, but we need yeah. to find a reason to use the Reddit. Yeah. Reddit. And we also, like I said, um, speaking of the twitching, we've been doing that a lot lately, usually on weekends. We'll do all of our co-op stuff together. or I try to twitch single-player stuff during the week if I'm playing a, a game, fly game. If I'm playing any game, really, I've been trying to twitch it during the week. If I'm playing on the Xbox, I will. It, twitching seems a little more complicated on the PlayStation. A little yeah. more irksome. Yeah, for sure. So I don't do that too often. It's really easy on the Xbox to do it. So you'll see us uh, going back and forth. You'll have to see which one of us, because we share the profile, so you have to see which one of us is playing. So if you come on and you don't want to hear me, then go to Blake. Or wait for Blake to stream the next day. If it's a Gamefly game that's on Xbox, we kind of alternate days anyway. Yeah. It's just one of the games we alternated. So I streamed all of my playthrough, basically, of this of the upcoming Gamefly game on this episode here. I started, and then I think I forgot to that when I got further into it. Like, I, my first couple of nights, I was yeah. doing it, yeah. and I just forgot about it. Yeah. Good job. Sorry. And then the uh, the last thing is we're going to keep doing it for some time is uh, my story. Yeah, probably forever is on uh, 
Amazon. Just search uh, "They Come This Night," and it should be the first thing. Will, I think it's the second thing that pops up. It pops up right to right there, like side by side with some other stuff. If you search it, it comes up. Yeah, yeah. author is uh, J.B. Owsley. This should be easy enough to find. Yeah. If you if you read it only if you read it, please uh, leave them a review on there. It helps them on Amazon. We we don't ask for podcast reviews because uh, we just don't we just don't. I ain't, I ain't really worried about it. The podcast is for who it's for. Um, but for the the story, if you read it, try to leave an honest review. Don't like I said, I say on multiple episodes. Don't just go leave a review just because you like Blake on the thing. He kind of like you to read the story and leave an honest review on his uh, Amazon reviews thing there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I would. Thank you very much for everyone who's bought it so far, and for anyone who's going to buy it in the future or read it at least, because it is free if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. And when you do, if you do don't have that, it's only a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And even even reading it on Kindle Unlimited helps him. Yeah. You think because they track every every amount of pages read. Apparently, interesting mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, that's all we got for the social media. I don't think Blake's going to lead the way on. We have two games, of course. We're trying to keep it at two games, usually two games and a band. And I'll let Blake lead the way with the first of the two games. I, the first game that we'll be uh, jumping off with is called Elia. And technically, it's episode one, but they haven't made more episodes yet. So there's, not even, there's not even any history of them like work, currently working on episode well, two. Yeah, well, the most recent thing is they um, they published Ilya Paradigm Shift, which is the ultimate enhanced version for the Switch in 2020. Yeah, for the crappiest console. It's called Ilya Paradigm Shift, but the game originally came out. Uh, what's that? September sixth, 2018. You write really tiny notes. Is that why you, you struggle reading them? No, it's just I don't know the number of months <laughs> off the top of my head. I, I I know mine, my birthday. I know that one, but anything after that, I was like, I don't, I don't know. So why don't you write the month the month name out instead of the number? Because I didn't have enough room to write the full thing, so I used the number abbreviation, and then I just struggled trying to remember the numbers of the... Uh, <laughs> don't judge me. All right. As a grown adult male, I still don't even know all my multiplication tables, okay? <laughs> I know, like, the easy ones. Um, you don't need them with a, with a calculator in your pocket, though all through every single teacher in school tells you when you were a kid, oh, you'll never have a calculator in your pocket when you grow up. Boy, they wrong. Oh, yeah, they're super wrong. I think that's probably why all iPhones, like, the prime phone, besides calling and texting every earliest rendition of every cell phone had a calculator on it. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty hilarious. Anyway. But anyway. The uh, developer is called Kyodai Limited. Yeah, K-Y-O-D-A-I, Kyodai. And uh, they're new. Uh, they started in 2016, and so far this is the only game they've put out. So technically they've put out two because they have this one and then the paradigm shift for the switch, but it, but if they're working on it, that means maybe we'll get our episode two and so on and so forth. Mm. Here I'm hoping because it's been released on everything so far. Yeah. Now, Game Boy? Kyo Kyo, wow, brand work. Kyodai is a Bulgarian, a very small Bulgarian company, but I couldn't find the amount of people, Gosh, so I'm gonna guess twenty two. <laughs> That's our go-to number. I'm going to guess 22 people because it seemed to have a bunch of like leftover people from 
other game companies. Like this was kind of created to give other people jobs during downtime. Yeah, is what it. Bulgarian video game companies there are. Mm-hmm. This is the first one that I think I've wrote down. I've wrote down a few like a Hungarian and a Ukrainian, but I think this is the first Swedish. Bulgarian and Swedish. But we had two Swedish on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Or no, was like episode before last. Anyway, regardless, um, Ilya is a uh, sci-fi adventure puzzler, but it's also more of a um, what's the term? Walking simulator. A, a, yeah, a walking. It's simulator. like a dirty word these days, but that's the term that stuck. But what else would you call it? I don't know. So that's what people always argue, people always fought over. It was like, oh, I hate the name Walking Simulator. And like, what do you want to call it? Well, I don't know. It should be like, you can call it a first-person adventure game, but it's not really. It's There's minimal... Like, I don't think there's even... There were fail screens, of course, from like not finishing a puzzle in time or not doing a, uh, a particular run fast enough. Yeah. But obviously there were fail states, but there wasn't like a combat or... Uh, obviously there's an antagonist, but, you know, I mean, it's just... The game, you kind of just progress forward at a slow walking pace. But though I think you can if you like hold like left trigger or something, you can slightly move faster. Walk at a brisk pace. Yeah, it's power walking. Now for that's what I'm looking for. Like it uh, artistically, it was realistic. Yeah, yeah, that's the art style. Yeah, we we talk about art style. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't cartoon here. It was going for. It wasn't like um, super high quality. People like the people, you know, people, people where people struggle. Like, you don't, you only get really high quality people in triple A titles. Actually, I, were they even real people? Did, did no, cookie, it did have real people because it did a thing. Well, let's talk about the game real quick. You finish on the, the way it looks. I mean, well, because the way it looks, because you do, you go into this like VR memory headset to relive like memories and do some things because yeah. she's on a long. You do see other people. Voyage. And you see real people, and they look okay. Mm-hmm. They're not awful. But then when you see people inside this uh, memory experience, or whatever it's called, they're just uh, colored light in the in a human shape. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I was getting confused in my head. Yeah, and sort I was, of like a Tacoma, maybe? Tacoma, and a couple other games have done that. I guess, no, Assembly did a cool thing where... You kind of saw all you did was hear voices, but you never actually saw shadows and stuff. They're always behind a door or something like that. So I did think that was kind of cool. But so Ilya is. It's confusing. It's very confusing. I, That's for sure. Like it, it does a it does some um. It does time jumps and it does in and out of VR worlds and it does. But it it. it it doesn't hold your hand, but it, you at least know what's going on. Like, if you're in the VR, if it's a VR malfunction, or if you're in real life. Because you can tell where you're at, for the most part. Can you? Mm-hmm. I feel like some parts are just... Maybe it's the point is that you don't know if you're in the VR or not. Well, i definitely say near the end of episode one, it gets very... For anyone out there who's ever seen... Uh, Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey yeah, or Interstellar. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a sci-fi film and you can tell that you know it, again for the most of the movie. But then like that last half hour you're like what is going on? And mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens here in the last little because the game itself is not long at all. It's 
four hours, five hours, or less. Like mm-hmm. I said, so what most walking simulators tend to be short mm-hmm. and sweet. I, uh, I I have wrote down here that I I did one k with the TA guide in four hours. Yeah, I did I not. Uh, I got here. I did. I did not one k. I had a. I didn't write down which one, but I had a glitchy achievement, which this game has uh, multiples of. I think, but a glitchy achievement that really cost me the one k, and I was not playing back through again because I kind of didn't really enjoy the maybe half the experience. There's like parts that I like because you jump from real life to to VR sections to real life to VR sections. There's like parts I do kind of like and then then the next section I was like I didn't really like that part then another section I was like I kind of like this part you jump to another there's so much jumping around in the game mm-hmm. that you're kind of kind of hit or miss on whether the part's even uh, enjoyable I guess uh, do you want to talk about the the game like the story what, what bits of story there is you can but the first thing you have to do in the game if you're yeah, that's if what you're, I was going to talk if about you're gonna do, uh, if you're going for achievements we've talked about we talked a lot about achievements and really bad achievements in the last episode. Yeah, and Deliver Us the Moon. And Deliver Us the Moon, there was a bunch of like pointless waiting achievements and stuff like, ooh, drive around for 30 minutes or stand in sp- or wait till five seconds to climb the ladder. Ilya, like the first thing you do in Ilya, for some reason, is a crappy achievement like that. If you want to, if you want to go for the 1K. <laughs> If you want to go for the one, so you got to literally. Um, the title screen is Elia staring out a window at the planet. I guess is it Earth? I guess or is it the moon? I think it's, it's Earth. Earth. And you have to um, like wait eighteen minutes for like a full like for her whatever ship she's on to go, do a full rotation of the planet. I think what it is. It's an eighteen minute thing, which is really just her staring out a window for eighteen minutes, and it's like a. I didn't write down what the achievement's called, but it's like true observer or something like that, or just like spacewalker, some stupid thing for a stupid achievement. I was just like, my gosh, it's a bad start to a, do a thing for achievements. Yeah. How about did they put a bad taste in your mouth as well? It, starting it, off. Anytime a game is like, oh, stare at the opening. Like, don't get me wrong. Back in the day, we actually, a, back in the day, we did a lot of really bad things for achievements. Yeah. No, I'm talking about back in the day, like there's a cool thing I would do with most games, which I don't see them happening too often nowadays. What's that? Was like if you stay if you wait on the the opening screen for like 2 or 5 minutes, you get like a a cool cutscene or a cool CG like yeah. the intro cutscene. Yeah, those have a name. Uh, I forget what it's called. Like cinematic trailer or something. Yeah. Something just to grab your attention. But they have they have a name, not not important, but uh, Yeah, but I remember I remember I remember doing that on a couple of mostly RPGs where I would wait but the, the annoying thing is I would wait like two or three minutes and then it would play and I would watch the whole thing. I was like, oh, that was really cool. And then I would hit new game and it would play. I'm like, well, why the heck did I just wait if it's going to play the new game anyway? Why even give me that option? Yeah. And so like it ha- it does put a bit of a bad taste. But again, only if you're going for the achievements. If you're yeah, going otherwise, to, just start. If you're going to experience the game, I think you might have better. Yeah. But even with, I think that's the the worst one there's a couple in there i remember doing a one where like in the vr system there's a, a fire and you have to escape in like 13 seconds and that took me several tries not a fire it's like these laser walls it's yeah like, it's probably the most if anybody I had the most comments stuff on the on, on ta's website about how to do it some irksome. different ways to do it you have to run through a maze and like less than 18 it's like you have like 11 seconds for the achievement 
You got to do it multiple times to get it right. Every time you restart it, which is annoying, you have to watch another piece of something play out first. Mm-hmm. And then it, it activates the uh, laser wall. But we're kind of jumping ahead of stuff. But uh, Yeah, but let's, yeah, that's why. That's probably the second worst. Besides just standing around waiting is being timed to do an achievement. And there's no real way of tracking um, how fast you're getting through that maze. Either it made it pretty annoying. I got that achievement. That just took multiple tries. And was really scrolling down through the comments on TA of people trying different things. I just kept trying these different methods until one of them finally the achievement just popped after trying probably more than a dozen times. Yeah, it wasn't super fun at that particular moment. Now alright, we're gonna jump we're gonna jump into the game and be as least spoilery as possible. Yeah. I don't remember what the story was about it. I remember being very confused by the end and That's fair. Finding the whole thing hard to follow. Because, again, a perfect example is it uh, goes with the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey where you're uh, kind of battling against the onboard AI of the system, of the of the ship. The AI was kind of working with you. It, yes, until you started doing things he didn't want you to do. Mm-hmm. And then he got mad. And he wasn't going around, like murdering people, but he was definitely trying to inhibit what you were doing because you weren't going along with the mission objectives. Directives, whichever word I'm looking for, directive or objective. Anyway, a brief little backstory on where we ended up, where we're at, mm. is in the year 2073, which isn't too far from now. A horrific disease that specifically only affected children and was wiping out the world's child population, uh, and was murking them, basically, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It was killing. Children all over the, and I think children. It was like age. I think it was anyone who was like under, it was like ten and under, was just uh, they're attacking their immune systems and killing them. Hmm. And so, like all these kids are being held inside and put inside bubbles and stuff like that. It was pretty horrific. And then, um, Ilya, who's uh called uh, her middle name's Ilya. That's what she goes by, but it's Catherine Ilya Jones. And so Ilya, her husband, joins an expedition called Solace. And they're out looking for a habitable planet to escape from Earth trying to kill us. Which probably is just Earth's revenge plan because we're horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, unfortunately, Earth doesn't like mankind. And so uh, Solace, which is the habitable planet, her husband got on the ship The Pilgrimage was the name of the ship, and they they took off. And then, uh, like, I don't know, like some... Within a year, transmissions just go silent. They they stop hearing anything after... Well, not the ship itself, it's after they land on Solace. Mm -hmm. Within, like, a few months, it just goes silent. And then, will we pick up the story... Uh, well, a little bit. It's kind of because it does the time jump. But the story kind of goes that 13 years later. I don't know why it took 13 years. But 13 years later, Ilya joins the recovery effort to go to Solace to figure out what happened. But I don't know why it took 13 yeah, years. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember the 13-year gap there. It was a big gap. There was a lot of, maybe it could do, due to space travel or something, maybe. Probably build that build the ship in space to keep it. No, it does explain. I don't remember explaining. I don't remember that at all. Because does it explain that gap or? It just. I, I'm assuming it took a long time to build the a second pilgrimage. Hmm. 
there, is it called the Pilgrimage Two? Um, I don't know. I don't actually remember the name of the ship because they everyone just called the AI, and I honestly don't remember. It's been a long time since I actually played, sat down and played the game, mm-hmm. and I should have revised my notes, but I didn't actually mention the uh, the AI's name. But yeah, we'll get to it. I don't it. remember his name either. And so, probably your favorite part. It was actually a really good part. You want to talk about the the opening before we do the time jump to her being on the ship? Yeah, it's uh, it's not terribly interesting, but you do have a whole section where you're uh, kind of just walking around and exploring her house, her apartment. It's not like very, it's not actiony, actiony or anything, but it's like a, there's a real mood in there. It almost makes you think that this it could be a horror game. It's it's a little misleading, kind of like it kind of reminded me. You mentioned it every night on the podcast, kind of reminded me of Gone Home a yeah. little bit. Had some serious Gone Home vibes out here. If you're in a creepy house and a, and, a, and a thunder, you're alone in a house with a thunderstorm. The only light you get is when it lightnings outside and it's doing yeah, it like yeah, every yeah, three yeah, to five yeah, seconds. You have a dinky little flashlight. I think eventually you find a dinky little flashlight. You're kind of feeling your way around in the dark and trying to get the power to come back on, and Elia's talking, but you get some talking with uh, she had these like wristband phone things, mm-hmm. I think it is. And I think she talking, was talking she to her husband, her husband before he left. Before he left, yes. This is a way, but this is before he even left. So that's the, that's the I think that's, he's that's, in Atmo and they're about to leave, and they're yeah, talking. So he's talking to her on the on the phone, in and out on the phone. Um, I don't know what's too, too terribly special about it. I don't know if you remember the whole section, but it's just kind of neat poking around the house and. It just has that that weird a real good vibe. creep factor. Yeah, it's not even. I don't even know if it was supposed to be creepy or not because there's no. I mean, if no, you're walking it's around, it's not a horror game. There's no real horror in it. If you're walking around a creepy house and it's thundering, thunderstorming outside, and there's children's toys on the floor, and all you got is a rinky dink flashlight that kind of comes on, but you have to like, don't you have to like wind it back up to get your? In- Wasn't that it? I think it just. I think it just flickers every now and then. Just flickered. On its own, I think. I remember there was some game we played that. You actually had to wind your flashlight back up for a limited time. That's probably Metro. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway. Yeah. But that may have just been them kind of, what's I'm looking for? Kind of like the opening. Like some books or some movies will do that to you where you'll get like a really awesome opening to get you hooked in for like the first five or ten minutes. Yeah. And then they deal with all the exposition and boring stuff after that. But you've already got hooked. You're like, okay, if they did one cool thing, maybe they do more cool thing. A lot of books. It's yeah. just the hook. The hook to... I did write uh, down here, uh, Ilya must be rich as F because uh, it's a really nice freaking house. That's like a maybe, three... Maybe that's, the, <clears throat> maybe that's the house standards at that point of that particular time, but I really doubt it. She has a... Uh, a a uh, sauna that's probably the size of our apartment we have here, like a whole built-in sauna pool, indoor sauna pool section in her house, uh, th- th- three floors. And then I think, wasn't their garage like subterranean? Something like that, yeah, but it was just... Or no, they think they had a bunker, which then the bunker led to the garage in case of, I don't know, it was, it was a, nar- a huge, huge home. Yeah, incredibly nice. So apparently she's got money, either she's got money or the husband's got money. I suppose. Either or it could be her money. It's a futuristic society. You never know. <laughs> um. Unfortunately, that was probably one of the. Then it does do some kind of mind trippy things. Where, I guess actually, I think shortly after that, because uh, you you wake up, you're doing because um, the AI has you doing these AI training simulations. 
and then because you're you know you're in a giant hunk of metal hurling through space for years at a time you have no way of getting outside and so the ai to help boost morale is giving people vacations via vr which sits you on like a beachfront property and i think that's where you start where she's on like a beachfront area and it's just ocean and sand and trees and she's just watching and then there's a weird glitch either because of the ai or, or her own particular mental state and this this is how you immediately know something's kind of wrong it's because you have to replay through this section three times. First, it's normal, and you, but then it, go, it goes like, error detected, restarting, and it restarts. But then you see the whale swim by, and then the dolphin jump. It's the exact same thing. And then a tiny little uh, bassinet, maybe, or like a, like a, a wide wooden bucket. It comes floating towards you, and then as it, as it gets close, there's something in the bucket, but it's kind of glitched out, and you can't see and then you replay the whole section for a, for a third time. And on the third time, you just big red letters just say error detected. But you see the the dolphin jump like three times in a row in the same spot. You see mm-hmm. a whale swim by, swim by, swim by. And then that bucket gets really, really close to you. And it's your husband's decapitated head in the in the bucket. And he looks at you. And then you pick it up. And you kind of like, you literally pick it the head out of the bucket. And then it boots you out of the uh, the ER and you'll or the ER yeah. the VR, and it's kind of you're yeah, like weird. whoa what is it's, happening it's VR glitches yeah, and it's the whole point is you're trying to I think you're trying to outsmart the the onboard AI because he's trying to help you because he wants you to go into the VR but you don't want to go back into the VR you want to know what's taking so long because I think your ship is stalled or actually I think your ship's at solace mm-hmm. but they're not letting you depart for some reason because i remember slight spoiler alert here i do remember uh that one of your ending goals is to get to an escape pod and escape and you end up on the planet and that's supposed to be where episode two picks up basically yeah that's where the end of the game is yeah mm-hmm. but everything else is you kind of going through and like there's this whole part where this uh, I remember because I went to the conversation multiple times because of the way the game says or an achievement mess up with me I listened to this conversation of the AI talking to Elia where he wants to help but for him to help her get to the planet it's against his protocol so he's supposed to copy a version of himself to her wristband to her wristband so that version of himself can help her and get away from protocol, which is kind of loose on how that how that still works. Well, because it's one of those so things. There'd be still the version of the main ship AI that's trying to stop her, and then the wrist AI, which is technically the same AI, but that one's trying to help her get through the doors and the uh, the stuff she needs to do to get to that escape pod to leave. It's weird. It's like a conflicting, self-aware AI who knows what she wants to do and he wants to help her but his directives aren't allowing it so i do do remember that you have to go into again sort of uh space odyssey esque you have to go into like a room and like pop all these capsules and like take out batteries and you're taking out parts of his memory that are the i won't say good parts the parts of the memory that want to help you and you're moving them over to a separate server and then you download that into your i do remember that being, again, it's it's very very hundred percent inspired by two thousand one Space Odyssey, a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, I've brought it up. If you have, if you've never seen two thousand one Space Odyssey, give it a whirl. Yeah, I, but, s- uh, I slept through it, but I want to try again. But it's 
it's different. The first hour and a half, I'm not sure. Well, the, I think it's like the first 45 minutes is a silent film about two warring Neanderthal Neanderthal uh, tribes, but that's weird. Anyway, sorry, I don't want to jump off into the 2000 Wood Space Odyssey. There's just a lot of that. <clears throat> not the Neanderthal, but there's a lot of 2001. A lot. Influence in this story. And some of the cool stuff is you do you're you are going into these uh words 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 you're going into these VR simulations also to help de-stress yourself early on, and some of them is like she's going on the her first date with her husband and stuff. I think I guess they copied the memories. Is that the one where she's in that plaza? Yeah, and you have to flick the at those um those uh origami cranes on the tree. And she's going through that yeah. that huge another, uh, another annoying achievement. You gotta use a hit an origami crane to hit another origami crane. Yeah. And it's uh it is really, really pretty. Uh, it's very it's all neon lights. It's bright neon lights and black. Yeah. And it's real good it's a, uh juxtaposition and juxtaposition. that's the word I couldn't think. Juxtaposition. It's a hard word to say. It is. And it's re- it was very pretty, very and it pulled you in. And as you're going through there, you're seeing that's where you start seeing a lot of the uh, the people sparkles. I don't know what you call them. Like you walk, the, you walk up to them, a little scene plays. Mm-hmm. Not really relevant to anything, as far as I can tell. It, it it's world building. It lets you know what war, you know the city you're in, and mm-hmm. like it kind of like people kind of gossiping. And it was it. Uh, I'll take a no, I'll take a quick quote from a review that I read about the game from Screen Rant. And it called it clumsy, but beautiful. Yeah, that's a, it's clumsy, but a beautiful walking a, simulator. That's kind of what I mean about there was parts that I liked and parts I didn't like. Like it was like it is very clumsy, but parts are very clumsy. And then there are parts that are. Yeah, I get that. That's, that's a that's a good quote because it, it's, that's a, yeah. That's the only reason I pulled it because like some of the other ones like oh the game is trash or the game is so gorgeous. But I was like this was a, it was like a three star review and the person literally just said clumsy. But beautiful walking simulator, and I was like, "That's that's exactly what it Pretty is." Accurate, yeah. Again, it's like, I I don't know how many people. So again, m- maybe twenty two people, maybe less. But I think they did it's pretty good for what it is. And, the, and I will play the second one if it ever comes out. If it ever comes out, which I I could probably do a quick Google search and figure out if they've actually released any information. But what I could find originally. Mm-hmm. Is that they do want to make one, but they just haven't yet. Because I think all the people who work at um, Kyodai are offshoots from a couple of other game studios. Because it was literally just invented to give them a job during downtime when they weren't needed on bigger things. Which is at least, that's awesome that the company was like, hey, we don't want to fire you. We like you. Yeah. But maybe they've just been so busy with other games that they haven't got a chance to go back. That's possible. I mean, they'll probably, they wouldn't. I hope they wouldn't call it episode one and there not be more, but it's happened before in other other games. I mean, look at um, what is it? History of the World Part One. Mel Brooks never got a. <laughs> that's that's no joke. I know. I um. See, I don't really have too much more to talk about. Do you want to? I don't know. If there's any any other particular scene? I mean, there was there was a couple of scenes where you're. You walk into this one machine, and then it changed the perspective of where you're walking, and then like you're uh, 
have to walk your character across the room, but you're stuck, like, the, the, the position you're stuck in, like, looking out of the screen, you have to, like, walk your character across the room. I don't, I don't understand the point of it. It's like some brain test AI was doing, because you're in a medical lab. Yeah. And he was doing, running some sort of test on you, using your thing to like walk across Like a perspective, yeah. checking. I had to do that, like, four times because of the way the game was saving and screwing up and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't remember. I, I can sort of remember doing through. There was a couple of different tests you had to do, and because he was trying to make sure you were in your right mind before he decided to help you or not, the AI did. A uh, one randomly cool note is, um, I do know that it got uh, nominated for best game music in twenty eighteen at twenty eighteen for the Game Audio Awards. That's interesting because I couldn't find, <laughs> I couldn't find none of the. Music for this. I'm assuming it was real synthy. <laughs> yeah, that's what, about what I remember. But I couldn't, as I way I searched for stuff, I couldn't uh, find anything about it. So, yeah, I didn't want to play. Like, there's like trailers and stuff, but trailers sometimes have talking in them. So I didn't do none of that. So there's, there, won't, there won't be. You haven't heard any music for Eli, and you won't be hearing any except for that. I just couldn't get it. That actually makes me kind of kind of sad. Yeah, well, it happens with some of these smaller games. Um, are you ready to move on? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, this is actually a game we will say we did buy this however many years ago, maybe one or two years ago. Yeah, but maybe we didn't buy it. We spent it five bucks or less. Yeah, five bucks or less is our was our original price point for buying things before Game Pass. Probably ten bucks or less, depending on the size of the game. Uh, you want to start us off on our second game? You have all the information. I do. Oh, you don't have any notes? Okay. I got notes for the game, but not not the you not for the not for the developer and stuff. Okay. Our second game we'll be jumping into is the the Sinking City. this uh i just did the um one song to play there at the intro other than that for the music uh, a lot of this when i when I, was, I did find the soundtrack to this it was pretty easy to find a lot of this is a uh, looping ambience mm. we, don't, we don't really need looping ambience when you're like a, splashing water against the building or not even that there's music is just kind of like moaning and just a little bit of drums and some string and stuff like that, but I don't. I don't think it would play very well in a podcast. It's kind of. It, it definitely back, fits the game, though. It fits the world of the game, but I just you know. So I picked the one thing to play at the intro there, and I kind of left out the rest. Um, I wouldn't say it's very much of a soundtrack to be honest, because a lot of a lot of what I found was like 25, 30 seconds, and it was it was, it was called something ambience, and they, I guess they just. Looped, looped in the game, yeah. Definitely. So I just did that one thing. So there's not a lot of music in this whole podcast, but 
I did find that that one thing to play there, and you'll recognize the one thing if you when, when you listen back because it's just pretty much the title screen, mm-hmm. what little bit plays in the title screen, which we saw multiple times in our playthroughs. The uh, the game was developed by Frogwares. They are uh, Ukrainian, and they started uh, in the year two thousand, and they have about eighty employees as to date. They made 15 games total. One of this, with this being one of them, they've made uh, quite a, mostly, it's almost the exact same genre. Every time I looked them up, everyone's like, oh yeah, the parts of them that are good are good. The parts that are bad are bad. Like they've, they've, they've just made almost the exact same style of game in everything they've done. Yeah. They're responsible for nine uh, Sherlock Holmes games. Mm-hmm. The Testament of Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the River. We've played a bunch of them. Yeah, they've played a, quite a few of them. Maybe about nine of them. They've also responsible for Journey to the Center of the Earth game, Around the World in 80 Days game, Dracula, The Origins of game. What kind of games are those? Are those kind of like the Sherlock Holmes games? They're all the exact same thing. Like They're less mystery, but they're more like visual puzzle solving of like how to get here to get there and stuff like that. Mm. They're They're just adventures. And then they also have, what is it? They did one that was kind of cool called uh, Mag Runner. And it was basically, they worked in tandem with another studio called 3AM 3 3 Studios, mm-hmm. which is a subsidiary of them. And it was a, uh, a similar thing. And I think it's what gave them the idea to do Sinking City because it was a, a cyberpunk version, but it was a cyberpunk uh, version based in Cthulhu Mythos. That's weird. Yeah. That game came out? Yeah, the game came out in um, it was, uh, 2013, I think it was. Hmm. Some PC? I think it's, I think it's, I didn't do a lot of research into them, but I think you can find it anywhere at this point. Because all, all, I think most of their stuff is available on console or at least PC, Steam, etc. So I'm sure we, you could find it on the Xbox for sure. Mm-hmm. So I uh, said so this 3AM Studios has only made this Mag Runner, but it's also it's a subsidiary. They have a second subsidiary within their own thing. I don't know why. Actually, I think that one came later because this other one is called Water Lily, mm-hmm. which makes more sense for the Frogwares. But they have three two subsidiaries and then the main company, and they're all run by basically the same people. They just rotate out the people. But for Water Lily, they uh, it's more casual stuff. But I don't think they're doing it anymore because it ran from '08 to 2013. They put out nine games, hmm. but just for casual, I think it meant for like mobile and stuff like uh, that. Casual, mobile garbage mm-hmm. is what it seemed to be like. Now. There's a, a thing I want to get into, but I think I'll get into it at the end, the, that controversy. Knock it out now? I'm going to knock it out now. Well, in What's that? Uh, mid-late 2020, I think it was, um, because uh, Frogwares partially published the game. They used two other uh, entities. Uh, one, I'm only going to talk about one of them, because the other one was... Uh, think focus home interactive which they'd worked with before and they had a they have a good relationship so focus home interactive and the second one which is called big ben interactive which has been rebranded as uh, nacon nacon n-a-c-o-n nacon 
which I think I've talked about on another podcast before. Hmm. But the Nacon did a real messed up underhanded thing. Where they what they did is they took a copy of the game and kind of hacked it up a little bit and moved some things around and cut th- some things completely out and then published it as their own game on Steam. So anytime anyone, and they did it, and they got away with it for about a year before they realized what was going on. And so they had their own game on Steam to, I guess, boost their money. So anytime someone bought the Steam version, they got a, a wrong version of the game. Yeah. Period. And that money, all 100% of that money went back to Big Ben Interactive, and none of it went to Frogwares. So dirty. So, so dirty. And then to the point that, again, late 2020, which was um, August 2020, they were taken to court, and Frogware immediately won the lawsuit. They're like, hey, we have this contract that they chose, that Big Ben chose to terminate and then put out a butchered version of our game on Steam. Where they, it was, they were found guilty the same day, I think. It was very, very fast turnover for what happened. Actually, not really. Because, uh, what did I say? It was August 2020. Because the whole thing, like, I think the court thing was fast, but getting everything out was slow. Yeah. Because August 2020, uh, all versions of Seeking City were taken off all marketplaces. Period. Mm-hmm. And they weren't restored until January 2021. So I think they just waited. I think they, they won the lawsuit and then they waited for some time for, like I guess, the the bad juju to fall off and then put it back out under their name. And they even re-put it on Steam, but their version, not the Big Ben version. And even while all this was going on, the um, Frogwares was constantly telling people, do not... Do not buy this version. Do not buy the Steam version. And even after being told to take it off, it still took Big Ben Interactive Nikon, it took them two and a half months to remove it. Don't know why it took them so long, but they're like, oh yeah, we'll remove it. And two and a half months later, they removed it. So I'm sure that based off all the controversy, I'm sure people were still buying it to try to figure out I'm sure they made more than they should have off that version, that wrong butchered People version. People buying it to see what what the what the what the hubbub was. Exactly, was really nothing. Yeah, when the, what, the 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 hubbub was, they shouldn't have bought it because they were giving money to the wrong person, mm-hmm. and that was just super 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 shady. Uh, it was coined a manifestly unlawful manner of obtaining an IP. Yeah. This is the term I just... And is that, do you say Big Ben is rebranded? They rebrand after this? I, I think that may have been why they were forced to rebrand from Big Ben Interactive to Nacon. Yeah. I think... So filthy. It's super, super, super shady. Now, we're going to break into... That, that was all the developer. Now, for like the genre of gameplay that it is, it is a action-adventure... Murder, mystery, psychological horror. Yeah, psychological survival horror. Because some of these things. Third person shooter. Yeah, third person. Yeah, that is true. 
single player adventure. <laughs> yeah, single player, third person, open world adventure. It is, it is open world. Now, um, I do actually. It's funny. I have a note right here because you talked about the, we talked about the music early on. I was just kind of joking, but uh, my musical note is not very much uh, in between like certain things, but it had very excellent cues. Yeah, it used a lot of cues when it came to like your. Post, sometimes it would okay. So you'd stumble into something that's supposed to be horrific. Like they they meant for you to like see something, but if you because you had control of the camera because it, it wasn't always cutscenes, you're investigating sites. There'd be a musical cue that you're clearly supposed to have seen something at this point. The, the, the musical would be all scary and stuff. And I'm, I'm looking around like I'm looking at a book right now. What is going? What did, on? I, what did I miss? What did I miss? I feel, like, I feel like they missed their music. Then I put down. the book down and I look behind me and there's like a dead body off beside the bed. I was like, like oh, whoops. <laughs> I was worried about investigating the room, picking up all the evidence and not what was going on in the actual room itself. Yeah. So, um, words, words, words. How how it graphics and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I was trying my, I was trying to get my thoughts in order because I was about to jump straight into the game. But I was like, for graphics, the graphics were very, were very good for what they were. I and thought it, they were really good. Real, real, real quick, we did play on the on the Series X. We 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 got our hands on Series Xs. Yes. And so some of the complaints were the graphics were a little bad, because like the curtain are... needed to drop and had very very horrendous loading times. Now it loaded a bunch, kind of early on. It, loaded, it really it loads once, and then anytime you fast travel, you fast travel, but it's, it's it's fast now because I think it's the Series X, so it loads pretty. So we've basically eliminated load times. And we got to play the best version of the game. So some yeah. of the stuff we're talking about, just understand, we played the best version of the game yeah. unknowingly. I don't think don't think Sinking City is actually Series X enhanced, but you don't have to be Series X enhanced to receive benefits. Uh, two things I know we got were the quicker load times is just inherent of the technology, and if you, you if you hit your guide, you would notice the Xbox was auto HDRing, yeah, uh, Sinking City, so it was looking as good That's... as it possibly could. I thought the game looked really good considering because uh, when I get a when a game this was a GameFly game uh, shipped to us, so when I when I when the game ships, I'll kind of poke through the reviews. I like to read the highs and the lows. It's just what I that's what I like to do on the reviews. Yeah, it's better. This 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 game has a lot of middling reviews, and a lot of them were complaining about the the graphics. Like the game looks like crap, looks like garbage. And I'm, and I'm looking, I'm playing the game, and I'm like, what game did you play? Because it didn't look terrible, and I didn't have. I played. Uh, flat out, the games aren't comparable in any kind of way, but Sinking City looks. Astronomically, I would say better than Elia. Oh yeah, it's a much bigger company with a lot more resources, and that's how you get better graphics, more more people, more resources. Mm-hmm. But like, it looked way better than Elia did. Yeah, I mean, even the people looked. Uh, well, I'm gonna say people looked distinct. We'll, we'll get that we'll in just get into a the, second. The assets <laughs> and stuff, but the people, the main character looked fine. His little scruff was kind of rough, but like the general people the way they looked was fine and uh, there's because there's multiple kinds of people there's regular humans and then there's the uh you have insmouthers insmouthers which are kind of like fish people and then you is there anything else oh the monk the monkey dude uh, throgmorton throgmorton so like the people you know looked interesting and then the the i suppose we'll say like we don't normally say for art style that's going for realism it, I, i'd say the art style would be uh a 
exact because the whole point of everything is I would say it is exaggerated despair because everyone was very gaunt. Mm-hmm. No, and, it's Lovecraft. We say Second City is a Lovecraftian in spot. Well, clearly in spot. It's a Lovecraftian game. So. Yeah. And so everyone you kind of speak to, I mean, they, they went on. there were some heavier set people, but for the most part, everyone was kind of thin and gaunt. And you, even the main character, who, that also goes to, for the whole, the madness that is attacking the city, the finite limited food source that is going on and stuff like that. He was very, it wasn't like uh, Tim Burton gaunt. But it they were everyone was kind of gaunt. Main character clearly had been sleeping with his oh yeah huge bloodshot eyes yeah bloodshot eyes huge bags it was very good so he's suffering from visions as you see from the very beginning again he's suffering from repeated visions so he's coming to the sinking city to to figure out why he's getting this these yeah, visions he's heard somebody that can help him but um, that looks great um, the quote unquote sinking city has a name. Oh, uh, it's uh, Oakmont. So it's called the Sinking City because this great flood come and hit hit the city. So there's whole sections of the city. There's some parts of it. There's, there's roads and stuff, but there's whole sections of the city that are underwater. And it's sort of, I say kind of Venice-like in a way, but so you do hop on those little docks and you hop on the boats and you kind of boat it's your little... way through town, which is... Uh, it's very, very atmospheric, very creepy, and it's just weird to see parts of a city uh, underwater and stuff like that and see people floating, and you see people who have built, like, you know, people with actual boats, you see people who have built rafts and stuff like that just to get around their city. You see people that are just, like, standing sadly outside their flooded apartments and everything like that. You see some people literally fishing outside their windows. Like, they sit on the, their, the windowsill, and they're just fishing. <laughs> yeah, trying to get some, trying to get something to eat, but it all looks really cool. Like I think it's a very, very interesting look. I, uh, I don't ever, I don't ever remember seeing anything quite like a, a flooded city anytime recently in video games. It just looks really neat. Like, you know, if, uh, for an actual city being lived in, like I've seen flooded ruins left and right all day, every day. You see flooded ruins, there are a dime a dozen, yeah. but uh, for a lived-in flooded city. A dilapidated people, Venice. People were walking around trying. Yeah, it's like keyword on dilapidated. It's just like because it's it's a very very sad, uh, beat down city. There is a rich part of town, which you know, ironically, you, there's always a a rich side of places, and then um, you have the other uh, stuff like the that. slog, the uh, the slums. That's where the I was slums, and then there, but the, <clears throat> the city is divided into distinct districts and yeah. stuff like that. I I can get into that a little bit. Um, like first and foremost, our main character is a uh, Charles W. Reed. He's a PI and he's a former vet. Mm-hmm. And it supposedly, what, what year is this based in? It's, it just says 1920s. I don't get an exact year. I'm sure if I if I remember reading some of the things, they get an exact year. But in all the descriptions of the game, it was just the 1920s. That just says an era. That's that's yeah, all you really need. Just need the era. And he certainly his uh. Visions didn't start until after he, because he served, he was a a navy guy, a navy gentleman, a, a seaman, a sail sailor, and uh, his ship sank, and uh, he survived with a crew of like seven people, mm-hmm. and then they were discharged shortly after that. But his visions happened; they started there. 
That's where he started getting aff- afflicted which, with, with his these visions and this madness. And he uh, receives a letter from a gentleman named Johann Vanisberg to uh, come to Oakmont because he believes that he could help him figure out why he's having these visions. So he comes to Oakmont and uh, like I said, Drew, Drew said a second ago, there's a great flood that happened like six months ago, something like that. And they, they, they've been complete without use of like a boat, like a big boat. You're com- they're completely cut off from the world. Mm-hmm. They're, it's in a, a fictional town of Oakmont, Oakmont, Massachusetts. So it's just flooded. You can, you can see how they would be cut off yeah. from outside environments. Now the, I will say I did feel that the city was too big. Because there's a lot of places you just don't go to. There's no need to go there. Yeah, it tries to if you're doing the, uh, like any open world game, if you're doing side quests, it will send you, if you do the side cases, they call it cases, you do get sent to other other parts, just all different parts of the city. There's fast travel, which is phone booth. You do the phone booth and you fast travel to any other phone booth you've walked past. So there's a lot about that. I think the game... Um, the game definitely would have worked on a smaller scale, probably. I, w- I would say more detailed, but like everything was pretty well detailed. The only problem was, and we'll get into it. Uh, we can talk about it right we can now. We probably get it to it right now. Is a good there's thing. Uh, maybe that's what helps the graphics be pretty decent. There's tons of reused assets. Tons. Tons. You'll walk into um. When you're walking the streets, you'll see street signs that are the same. You mentioned West MD, which is a Lovecraft and Herbert West reference. But those signs are all over town, everywhere. Like it's just like the same sound. So I think if, if you're really paying attention, you might be seeing the same fronts of the same buildings over and over again. Um, a lot of the streets are probably the same, well, different street name because they've 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 purposefully uh, made every street its own name because a lot of the directions you're given in the game via these other these archives you go to a lot, yeah. the directions you're given to people's houses is on certain streets. All the streets are different. I think they just reuse the same visual buildings. And if you're running around and not thinking about it, you don't even really notice. You do kind of get lost in the atmosphere. Yeah, but what you do notice um, is walking into people's apartments and every apartment building, every, almost everybody's apartment. There's like two or three variants of an apartment and some of the rooms are shifted around a little bit. Most, the most of the time it's just mirrored. Mirror sometimes a lot of, you'll start wasn't a lot of apartments and a lot of houses you go to look exactly the same on the inside. I do want to say one thing about that. Yeah, is uh, I was do I went while I was doing my research. Their original plan was to build a four. I think it was like a four square mile city, like a two scale. Build a four square mile city to scale, mm-hmm. and. When when they started kind of getting into it, they realized that that was t- too ambitious of a goal. Like they wanted to make everything different. Yeah, assets is where multiple assets is where you start seeing really high um, costs, cost and development and stuff like that. You only see that in big, big, big AAA things. And so, like, they're, like I said, the original goal was to make a four square mile city and make it very distinct. But then they bit off more than they could chew. They when it got time, it was it's too much. It's just mm-hmm. too much for their their group of people to do that. So they started looking for alternatives, and they found a way to do it using uh, what was it, the Unreal Engine Four. Mm-hmm. And so they took what they had completed, 
They took copy, what they had completed. They, they scanned it and then put it into the system because they had a model. And mm-hmm. they scanned the model and then put the model into the system. And then they just kind of did a, a, a copy-paste cookie cutter and like rearranged the buildings. And so instead of these two buildings side by side, there's an extra building in between them. And they just kind of reused and copied and pasted their assets. Mm-hmm. And they actually did create a program to auto put on uh, barnacles and growing sea fauna and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. all that stuff was actually, it wasn't randomly generated for the game, but it was randomly generated for the rendering. That, so the, that stuff, of the, that, of the final map. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that did look pretty cool. Cause you, that stuff was definitely d- distinct and weird all over the place. Yeah. Growing in big things, but they bit off more than they could chew. And then they realized that and they found a, unfortunately a cheap way well, fortunately for them, they found a cheap way to do it. But for us as people... Yeah, well, like I said, but in the actual city itself, exterior-wise, and there's enough, distinct, <laughs> there's enough distinct places that you don't even really think about it. And, like, I only noticed it real, real bad early on when I was running everywhere before I had so many fast travel points. But I'd be running down the street, and I was like, I just saw that White House. I just saw that White House. I just saw that WebMD. I was just, I was, because <clears throat> I was really, lo- I was like, where's the street that I'm looking? I was constantly going in my map and looking and stuff, trying to navigate the city. Pretty, pretty good map. Oh, yeah, the map is very, not, I'm not super detailed, but it's very accurate <clears throat> when it comes to uh, houses and stuff like that. Like, you could zoom in kind of far and, like, place your markers on the map. So you knew, like, oh, that's, there's definitely a building right here, and then there's a street building, and it was very well put together map. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they thought about the world first, and then realized they bit off more than they could chew, and then they yeah. Uh, but that's what um, that's where it sucks about the uh, because most of your because it is 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 a, you're a, a, a PI, so you are doing a lot of investigating because they they made a lot of Sherlock Holmes games. What sucks about the interiors is that you do spend a lot of times exploring interiors, poking around and touching everything inside these interiors. So you do kind of, I feel like you would notice, I noticed the repeating, repeating interiors really early. Very. I walked to a building and I was like, oh, I think I walked to the wrong building because it looked just like another place. I thought I walked into the wrong place. And I looked around, I'm like, oh, some, some, so this, there's not, a, there's not a bed in this room now, but it's the exact same room. There's like a shelf. They just kind of move move stuff in the interior around, but the the floor plans exactly the same. And some of the other stuff they don't move it. They don't even bother moving. They might just give you a yellow that, blanket. That, that one red house, blanket. that one building that has the the boat in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, it's like a like a fishing house, or they have a boat in the middle. There's like they, they use that a hundred times. Yeah, they don't even you walk into that front door, and there's a boat right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know exactly about. what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, or any any kind of. Uh, the warehouses. Oh, all the warehouses look the exact same. That's, that's, that's common. Most warehouses look the exact same. In yeah, general. probably. So maybe that's kind that's of... like an industry standard. Get, that would kind of explain why all apartments look the same or why all these certain houses look the same because they'd have the same owners. You could fall back on that excuse, but they're really just reusing they, assets, which is it's fine, but you kinda, it kind of pulls you out. When you start noticing a, bu- a bunch of it, it kind of pulls you out just a little bit, but then if you're, if you're following the stories and stuff like that, you kind of stop caring anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> You kind of get familiar with it. Because the game is broken into seven distinct districts. Sure. You got the Advent, Coveside, Grimhaven Bay, Old Grove, Reed Heights, Salvation Bay, The Shells, 
And I think that's it. Yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah that's seven. They all probably have at least one distinct thing within them. Yeah, like I think the the Grimhaven Bay is the Bay Area. It's where a lot, it's like it was where the game starts, and it's very peninsula and beachfronty with a huge piers for like uh, big fishing boats. Mm-hmm. And then like the Reed Heights. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, Let's not, not, not go into. Too much, too much stuff to talk about all these yeah, But basically, you're going to have your industrial area, your rich area, your slum area, your poor area. There's a uh, area that ha- part of the town that has the uh, the like, graveyard, which sucks as part of the part of the graveyard's flooded. So when you go when you go through there, there's coffins floating in the water. Oh yeah, and there's some corpses. There's a a single uh, grave attendant, and he's like. <sighs> I guess I gotta go put some of these guys back in their homes. Okay. <laughs> He's a real kind of slow, mild-mannered individual. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of things that I enjoyed about it. And there's a couple of things that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Now, for a game that's very, very, very Lovecraftian, anytime you read any of Lovecraft's stories, there's not a lot of action. Yeah. It's usually a bunch of running and scrambling and trying to not die or being uh, one funny thing is for that's action i mean yeah but you're not fighting anything yeah there's not a lot of fighting in lovecraft one thing one trope that lovecraft loves to do is his main characters love to faint and at, at a moment of like peak action of being they get overwhelmed by their sanity and they faint but then somehow wake up completely unharmed to what what, what to whatever was chasing. They wake up back in bed or something. The game does do that a couple of times, which is really funny, and I thought I really enjoyed that he'll just faint. He'll, he'll get overwhelmed. Yeah, there is a there is combat. We there's a, there's a bunch of combat in this game, which is kind of one of the parts people didn't like. There's a lot of a lot of shooting in this game because you you have a little arsenal of weapons. Quite you, a big you fighting. You fight normal people. You fight the Innsmouthers, which are just they're just people that kind of they have like fish gills. They're blessed by the sea. Blessed by the sea. Then you fight uh, Lovecraftian monstrosities called wild beasts. Yeah. And there's a couple of them, and and they all have names and d- distinct design. But sometimes they're just a color swap of like a harder version. You have like the the those those spitters. There were red versions, and then there were like versions that could like turn invisible that were like gray blue yeah yeah they all did did, did did different things um and don't get me wrong the monster designs were phenomenal they were very gross gross and grotesque nightmarish yeah unimaginable undescribable horrors basically is what how lovecraft like to do things um you do have uh I guess part of fighting the Lovecraft things and then seeing awful things throughout the game. We, we can get, we can get, to, we can, we'll glance over cases because that's the the main story. But yeah. uh, you do have a health, of course, which is obvious what health health is, and you have a sanity meter. Um, I didn't get my sanity all the way down, but when you start losing sanity, you start first, you start getting this cool little like warping effect to your vision, which looks really cool, or like the, it looks like the everything's kind of tilting sometimes it looks, yeah. it looks really it looks really neat because he's kind of getting starts tripping you keep going and he starts hallucinating he'll see the main thing that kind of flashes in his face is him hanging hanging himself quite a bit you see yeah. a, lot, a lot of flashes of him hanging himself 
or creatures skittering at you that aren't there maybe aren't there and if you get way far and deep deep into it you'll start seeing creatures that are physically sort of there you have to like whack them with your shovel to get them to get them to go away uh do you ever get your sanity to go all cause I, I i don't know if it results in a game over if you get your sanity bar all the way down but if your bar goes all the way down it's inst- it's game over he just dies he'll he'll yeah so, I, I never had it, but when I was reading about it, it talks about like if your if your HP depletes, it's game over, and if your sanity bar depletes completely, it's game over, and you restart. You have to restart your last save point or whatever. That's crazy because I never really kept it. Uh, I mean, I got pretty low, like to the bare minimum. I never uh, let it run out. Well, again, because we are who we are, we played on easy. Yeah, of course. And on uh, easy, your sanity bar will auto regenerate at so, a pretty. Brisk pace, actually. Does it not regenerate on hard difficulty? It does, but very much slower than we were getting. Yeah, because anytime you're looking at the whole time you're fighting, because it's monstrosities, you're losing sanity. It's 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 a it's a manageable rate because you can kill things. Mm-hmm. And on once how, they're how killed, you are with the guns. Yeah, if you're looking at dead, if you're looking at dead bodies, you're looking at other dead like just scenes of creatures. If you're looking at uh, well, there is anything a- mystical. There is a, a, a tool you can use, your mind's eye, which kind of gives everything that kind of blue shimmer briefly. Mm-hmm. And using that for too long will drain your sanity meter as well. Yeah, you use that to track. Uh, one, you could see uh, hidden stuff in the environment. You can see these things. What were they called? The uh... the recogs, the recommission. Or are you talking about the, the familiars, the little birds or yeah, the people? They had a name. It called them something. But some there's these things he uses that... Uh, He's going to call them familiars. That's what makes them a good detective. It has an actual name. It has a good... Uh, um, what makes him I guess what makes him a good PI I guess is he has these abilities like that where he can these things lead him to where he needs to go. It's what you would use in the game because we had uh, we had guides, not TA guides, unfortunately. Because I didn't I didn't one K this. Blake actually managed to one K it. I did. Yeah, he ex- he can explain why here in a little bit. But I had a guide kind of telling me where to go and what to do, so I didn't have to use that one all that much. But if you're just playing without a, playing without a guy, you would like discover like a a blood splatter on the ground and you activate your mind's eye and something like a person or like a bird with a or like a tentacle monster thing would like lead you to where where the blood splatter was going to and you could follow them and uh, as you follow it would lead you to other clues like a blood print on the wall like oh he jumped over he, he used his hand to leap over this wall instead of going down this street like it's yeah. pretty whole, well whole, and, yeah but the whole time you're using that your sanity's going down so but you can take a break and st- shut it off because it, it's a non-off switch it's just down on the d-pad yeah to give you know wait a second let your sanity come back or you do have sanity shots antipsychotics. Yeah, i didn't use one the entire game uh i would use them only if like there's one to be picked up just so i can make sure i picked up everything in a room that yeah, thing I just make mark. sure i cleared a room i didn't out. even shoot one up at all because i never had because i just would look away or just close your eyes and i'm not <laughs> it can't hurt me if i can't see it yeah I did. I did. One of the crazier, like, because uh, if when you start losing a little bit of sanity, he'll start looking around and like, kind of like, like dusting stuff off his arms, like he thinks something's crawling on him. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, he'll do, and uh, it, it, I say unfortunately, but it only it only registers one wet one weapon. He will uh, if he's sitting there like heavy breathing and it's losing some sanity. He will take his uh, his 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 pistol. And like heavy breathing, like hold his pistol up to his head, kind of heavy breathing. I was like, I was wondering if if he said it, he got too far. If you'd if he'd pull the trigger, he might. I don't know. I mean, the game was pretty dark. Yes, that was pretty. I thought it was pretty. I was first time doing it. I was like, oh boy, let's put let's let that sanity come back a little bit. Put that gun down. 
Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't want to test it because I was like, I really don't want to have to reload and redo this area. Yeah. <laughs> the game does autosave quite a bit, though. I will. It does autosave rather often. And you can make manu- up to like three or four manual saves, too. Yeah, probably however many you wanted, just about. Maybe, no. They had a distinct limit of three. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you um, you talked about there's combat, and besides combat and the different guns, you have quite a large arsenal of tools that are at your disposal. You have several guns. You have like a pistol, revolver, a shotgun, uh, a ri- a bolt action rifle, I think, and yeah, then like a Tommy worth- gun. Yeah, the rifle's worthless. Absolutely worthless. I used it like twice. I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. And then besides the guns, other tools you can do. I think you get like a rock or brick you can throw to distract things i never use that me neither but it's there as well as that you also had um uh the the the, the bear traps the claw bear traps you could use mm-hmm. but those were very not useful unless you were sneaking but even then it was they used to stop stuff from running at you most most enemies run right at you yeah except for People will run at you, so there's two people either are unarmed or they're armed. Obviously, unarmed people run at you, try to punch you. They will run right into a bear trap. And you also have uh, Molotov cocktails and grenades. Like, you had a pretty huge roster of weapons. Yeah. And you could also uh, craft just... Uh, lots of crafting. Lots of crafting, but you never... Craft, you craft most of your ammo. You craft your med kits. You craft bombs and everything the else. Antipsychotics and everything. And so there's a huge crafting element to it. But I imagine if we were playing on a higher difficulty, because I was, most of my stuff was full all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I was having a hard time, like, oh, I can't, I can't empty out this uh, loot chest. Let me make some ammo. Oh, my ammo's full. I can't make anything. Well, I'm just going to leave that loot chest. <laughs> like it yeah, was, a lot of that, yeah. but I imagine playing on a higher difficulty, it, it, things would be a little more scarce to mm-hmm. improve. But I don't know, man. With the amount, with uneasy, with the amount of fighting we had to do, maybe not. Maybe there'd be more fighting with the things that had more HP on higher difficulties. Maybe he was talking about how many shots, like the little guy I was following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was clearly playing on normal. He would talk about how many shots a certain thing would take, and I would do, do it in less. I think I think their health is determined by difficulty. And anything small, the like the Stygian things, the things that were just made up of arms and hands. Yeah, I just thwack them. Took. One, well, once I fully upgraded my melee attack, because you do have like a mini, what do you call it, a utility tool? It's a it's, it's a, a it's a shovel, but I'm he just hits folks with it. Yeah, thwacks them. But you can kill those things in like one hit. And most uh, human beings they're running at you took like one or two. Just shot humans right in the head. But they're running at me. I I, I thwacked them because I was especially early on. I was real concerned about ammo being a liability because my guide said that hey. Ammo is a finite. Make sure you don't use it that, uh, that often. And I was like, okay, I'll just hit people with my shovel for a little bit. So the first thing I upgraded, because there is a um, yeah, upgrade tree. There's a, like a level up system. Yeah, you level up like like you do in every game these days. It's not this game is not an RPG, but you do level. You just, you just rank up and you get a skill point. You put a skill point into the various things. Nothing too fancy here. More health, more sanity. Hold guns, hold more ammo. You build traps faster. I mean, it's just same old, same yeah. old. Every game feels like it has an RPG thing in it. Yeah, because RPGs are awesome, but yet people still refuse to accept how awesome RPGs are. 
especially turn-based ones. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. Um, with all these tools at your disposal, the game does not hold your hand. Mm. Like, if you're not... Because we talked about earlier, I don't read in-game stuff, usually. I did in this game, because I figured that's where we're going to get any kind of storage, because nothing's too terribly long to read in this. They did do a good point of that. Nothing was longer than, like, a page. Mm -hmm. Or or a diary entry in a book, and you read, like, two diary entries that were, like, at most a paragraph. But all the clues... Because I used a guide just just for more than anything to tell me where to go because otherwise you're literally going to like you pick up a letter and it's like oh uh, you have to read the letter and your clue is in the letter like oh Robert's address or Robert always wanted to meet at the corner of uh, Magnanimous and Lithuania Street or some shoot those are completely not right streets but there was like Elm Rose and Pewter or something like that. So you have to go to the corner of Elm Rose and Pewter. Mm-hmm. You first you have to find those streets, find where they intersect and head to that corner and then just kind of walk around the corner and hopefully the good news is the game had a clear indicator on what doors you could and couldn't go into. They had this um the painted ho- H. Called it a hobo sign. Yeah. The what do you call it? Yeah, the hobo sign. Why hobos were running around painting signs on doors you can walk into. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Un- that. Unknown. But so like I recommend a guide because I, I managed to get through the game in roughly about forty hours. It was a, didn't take that long. I didn't I, I didn't check my TA, but it was it was a while because yeah. I was I was reading a lot of stuff. And uh, the whole game is a hundred percent voice acted and good voice acted too. There wasn't anyone yeah. I was just like I can't I don't like that person's voice. Like all the voice acting was actually really good. All the stories were unique. If you're familiar with Lovecraft stories, I mean, they're not using, they're not using so much using Lovecraft stories, but they're, uh, clearly inspired. Oh yeah. Like really inspired by, mm-hmm. which usually results in, uh, things going badly for people, which is typical yeah. of the Lovecraft stories. Yeah. Everything about Lovecraft is, uh, it's bleak yeah. to say the least. I know two of them. Uh, we'll do, so there's a bunch of side story, a bunch of side cases, and there's the main cases. But I do have um, two that I remember remember distinctly. Is one, and some of these have multiple endings too, depending on what you do. Blake had to load to do because different sometimes different choices had different achievements. But one was I did save scum. Yeah. These people who wanted to uh, make copies of themselves to like which would which anybody would want to do make copies of themselves so the copies would go work so they could hang out and do and not have to work yeah. oh, or, yeah. or, go, or go to school or anything like that mm-hmm. and then that you you do the whole thing and you one you go into the town the, the the apartment which looks like all the other apartments and they're all there I forget why you end up going there but they're all they're all they're all there and like oh no, nothing wrong here i mean it's whatever they're just all in the kitchen reading books studying yeah, hanging out college yeah, students. hanging out and you go and explore the thing you find, um, because there's a lot of magic in the world, people know magic, obviously, that um, you uncover this magic wall. There's a lot of illusion walls in the game. That's where your mind's eye comes into your play. Your mind's eye comes into it, and you like de-illusion this wall, and there's all these, all their dead bodies are in the, this, this other room of this house, 
and you read you read the but you got it's, it's where it comes in you do want to read the notes and stuff in this in this part of in this game because you read the notes and you find out that they made the copies and then uh then he comes to find out that the copies had killed the original people and took their place and they i think they had written some notes or some diaries like the weird we're, we're taking the play. I forget how the writing went, but it clearly comes to a head that you that they've killed the originals. They're all butchered and stuff down they're like downstairs. impaled on walls and everything. Yeah, and you go upstairs and you uh, you're led to like where the where the magic the magic book there's a the magic book that was used to bring them to life was hidden upstairs, and when you break the illusion of where the magic book is, they turn on you and try to kill you, and you got to blow them away too. But it was just. There's a whole little storyline that every little case is a, is a, is a whole storyline that you figure out. It's always a Lovecraftian-esque story. And that was a very, like, uh, make copy of myself to do all my work and then I would get killed. It's a very... Oh, yeah. Very, very like, love. Twilight Zone-y Lovecraftian thing. Yeah. Let me... And they've... I mean, that's the story's been done before yeah. in you all sorts of stuff. a particular one you want to... Because I got one more that I... There, oh, there was one kind of muffed up one. Uh <laughs> It was a, it's a, a brief, brief, brief side story, and it was called The Terrible Fetus. Yeah. And I actually did a recording of it. I need to post it. I, I never got around to posting it on Facebook. I need to do that. Yeah. Where you're investigating these, uh, it's real early on, you get this note, and you're like, and, they, and you have to go investigate this particular story about a woman complaining of a horrible fetus. And you're like, that's weird. And so you track it down of this woman who had been complaining about a horrible uh, birthing pains. And then when you track it down, uh, you find this dilapidated um, hospital office area. And, it's a, and you go downstairs to the morgue, and the lady is dead, and there's an a, a autopsy note beside the bed. You pick the note up, and you read that whatever was inside her ripped its way out of her stomach, killed everybody in the room, and escaped. <laughs> and you can, as you're walking through, you do notice these adorable, tiny little bloody handprints all over the place. First, they're on the floor, then the wall, then the ceiling, and then they're back on the wall, and then down the ceiling. You see, you can follow its trail of w- <laughs> where it went all the way down to the front door of where it escaped. That's awesome. And you're like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a couple other good ones. All of them are leaving. That's why you want to do it. Kind of, there's some some lengthy side things at the end that I didn't want to do because it revolved running around all over the city. So I'm sure we've met, I missed some stuff. You didn't you didn't do the, those lengthy ones at the end either. The, the there was like one or two at the very end. Once I realized I didn't have to do all the side quests. Yeah. Well, the letters the of Oak, letters of Oakmont is massive. Yeah. And there's one more at the end that sends you all over the city, which is really massive. I was. By the end of the game, you're kind of you're kind of wore out. I'm a little. But uh, one that I remember that um is kind of tied to the the main the main story a little bit. But you end up on this offshoot of investigating this lady's house where she was um she wanted to bring her son back to life. So the other person wanted to do. If it was the same kid, the same son. I think it's two people. It. It's the brother. And the mother mm-hmm. of of the of the of the dead child. Yeah, but she wanted to bring him back, and she and you can do this multiple ways. You can just kill her, which is one of the achievements, or you can let her do what she wants to do. So the lady wants to uh, bring her son back to life, which is mostly when you talk to her, it seems mostly fine. I guess I mean fine as it can be. 
for some of bringing her son back to life. But apparently he died like 20 years ago. Yeah. And she's going to pull his soul back and put his soul back into his body. Which, the way that particular version ends is she puts him back into his body inside of the coffin that he was buried in. She went and exhumed his body coffin and puts his soul back into a decayed body. Because he you died as a to. child. He did die as a child. So it's it took a child-sized coffin. It took her like 20 years to figure out how to bring, how to work, to figure out the to magic. To find these mirrors and stuff. There's just magic mirrors. a whole thing about it, but she ends up bringing his bringing him back but they ended up in one of these things and you could see uh you don't really show you the inside of the coffin but when you help her help her to do it succeed you hear some crying and the banging on this coffin that's sitting on this altar and it is chained closed yeah it's chained closed yeah because i imagine oakman has a lot of issues with people coming back to life Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a messed up ending and she's here whining and rattling trying to open, open the open the uh and she just goes, you talk to her when everything's said and done. And she's like, oh, thank you very much. It's okay, little Benny or whatever, whatever the child's name, name little Robert or something. It's okay. Mommy's here. Mommy's here. And yeah. you just hear it like, kind of like whining and banging. And then that's it. That's the end of that storyline. You don't really very, know. Imagine that. if you, because me and Blake did, we did listen to an audio ver, audio thing of like every, every Lovecraft thing. We've heard all these little stories, but I can definitely... Here, I can, I can see that one being written as like, as the child came back, all you heard was the rattling and the whining of the coffin, and it was just like kind oh, of... Yeah. That was the, just random side note, that was like what, HP Podcraft, pod, you know, HP Podcast.com or something like that, Podcraft? Pod, HP Podcraft, something like that. It's pretty good. We, we Well, that was a podcast. Yeah. We did that separately, but we we just listened to we just bought the HP Lovecraft collection on all oh, of all the short stories. Yeah, that yeah, too. But there's an HP Pod Podcraft, which is pretty good until they run out of HP Lovecraft. They had like 173 story. episodes that were free because HP Pod HP Lovecraft stuff is uh it's free domain. Yeah, and it's free and anyone. But once they finished all of HP stuff, they wanted to keep doing it, and they started putting a bunch of stuff behind a paywall, and they turned it into their which is fine, you know, do what you got to do. But we stopped listening. Yeah, uh, the only thing I really cared about was uh, going through the entirety of HP's um, bi- bi- bibliography. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Um, there's kind of a, f- a few more things I want to touch on. Besides, um, do you want to talk about the the recog thing with the blue memories? And that was kind of. Yeah, we're 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 going to come across that sort of again when when we t- if we ever do vanishing if you think harder. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of vanishing. Except I think, it, I think less interesting. Yeah, it was much less interesting. I, I, and way overdone. Way overdone. Every case, he had to do it multiple times. Yeah. And, a recognition is pretty much him using his abilities to uh, replay the events, which is annoying the way it does it. You have to walk through an area and witness all the events, walk through the whole area, witness all the events, and then go back through and click on and put them in the number order you think they go in. We we had the, we had a guy telling me the order. Yeah. Put them in the order they go in, and then he and, and, it, and then the Duke character just comes. He's just like, oh, this is how it happened. But you got to do it every single house. But almost every single house you walk into, it gets tiresome. Every case you do have to do it. Now, speaking of, I do want to say 
uh, kind of some annoying thing. We've, 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 we've slobbed all over it saying how good it was, this, that, and the other. But here's some kind of negative things that I didn't enjoy. Because mm. I get it, but there are no nice people in all of Oakmont. Like, everyone you're coming up to, to, like, part of your investigation, like, I don't know. Well, actually, if you do me a favor, I, can get, I got the information you got to do. It's just the real world. Everybody wants a favor. Yeah, but it was everybody. It's a video game. It was, li- it was very irksome. <laughs> that every, there was only, there was literally two nice people in the entirety of everything. And that was a dude named Daryl, who... <laughs> He would he carved uh, uh, wooden sculptures for orphans. All right, toys. he was toys. He was a super nice guy, and then you meet him in a very unfortunate moment, and you can choose to be mean or nice to him. And I chose to be nice to him because he was awesome. I liked Daryl a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lady named Joy. Oh, the librarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't do her side story. Did you do her story? I did her side story. Does it come of anything? Um, you kind of figure out why. Why that happened, yeah. and you you solve it. You get you you like okay, I've solved the curse, but the curse is uh, is cyclical. The the curse comes back every hundred years, mm. and so she's she's safe for the rest of her life. But she was like, well, the sentence still carried out, and she's like, she's like, uh, it's better for tradition's sake because I only have to do this for two more years. Mm. So it's better for tradition's sake for me to go ahead and just finish. That way, no one thinks anything fishy happened. But I'll know, and that's, I can live the rest of my that's, life. That's happy. the librarian, which you could. I think you can go the entire main game and never even speak to her. If you do, if you do it weird, yeah, yeah, it's a whole side character you could miss entirely, which I didn't actually complete her. I, I don't want to spoil what's happening with her because that's a, she's a unique aspect, and her her storyline is kind of cool. Uh, her story, if you give or get to it, her storyline is called Silence Is Golden. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Now. I want to get to what I think is probably one of the coolest pieces and it gets used a little too much, but also not enough is the, the dives dives. Yeah. You the, dives, the dives, you can talk, you can talk, you can lead about that. The dives are cool, but they do, uh, uh, sometimes the idea of the dives is cooler than the execution. Yeah. A little, a little bit. Yeah. But you can talk about them. Cause you, these, they're, you're literally diving to the bottom well, not the bottom, but as low to the ocean floor beneath Oakmont is how far down you're going. You're not going all the way down the Mariana Trench, but you're going down pretty far. And um, these are some classic old school diving suits, like some you like like a, a scrawny big daddy. Like there's like the big big metal ones. And once you're down there, uh, you have a very limited tool belt because you're underwater. You have a underwater flare gun. I never used. And a harpoon gun. Yeah. I don't exactly understand what the flare gun was for. Supposedly it was supposed to scare off some of the monsters. But uh, it never worked. Yeah. And I had to use the spear gun. The harpoon gun, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And this is really cool. Because you have your sanity meter and your health meter slash oxygen meter. But you can actually, for the as long as you hold the, the probe button, I think it was like R1 or right bumper. He would crank this thing to refill his oxygen, and it would it would, it would heal him back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just walking. Literally, you're just slow, slowly walking along the ocean floor. And there's there's cool stuff. There's like there's some carvings, which lead to like other Lovecraftian thing, ancient evils that 
deep ones and stuff like that. And then there's uh, some sea creatures underwater that try to kill you, but not very aggressively. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one that's way more aggressive than the other that you you can't kill them. You can just Only stun them briefly. Yeah, you know, my guy was just like harpoon him. And I harpoon him and make your way towards the exit while your harpoon reloads and turn around and harpoon him again. Yeah, that's all you could do. Yeah. But it was cool. And, oh, one other cool side case I do want to talk about happens during a dive. Mm -hmm. This guy, he leads you, it's near the end, and he's like, hey, if you, you know, I don't want to let you do it because it's dangerous. While you're down there. But while you're down there, uh. My my brother, my wife, and my kid all uh, tied themselves to rocks and jumped overboard because of something weird was going on. And I feel bad leaving them underwater. Could you take these crosses and just sit them on their... Uh, he's like, They'll, you'll know what they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking just like some rock. You know, just like a boulder or a cinder... Not a boulder, but like just like a cinder block. These people are tied to boulders. Like they, one dude's tied. I think, I think they came merged with it when they merged to something else when they got to the bottom. Because it talks about, you click on each one, even the main character is like, this This is some sort of horrible fate somewhere between life and death. Yeah. Where they're, they're alive. They're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Some weird, like that was pretty muffed up yeah. to, see, to, to see them all. Because I think the brother was like to an anchor and then the, the wife and daughter were like to these boulders and... Mm-hmm. That was pretty dark and muffed up. And the fact they were like an in-between life state was, whew. But these dives were like probably some of the coolest, most Lovecraftian and ambiatic ambience thing. Because you're going through and, you know, you see some detritus falling down or floating. And you're like, okay. And it's dark. Like your flashlight, even with the flashlight underwater, you see like the next step in front of you. It is dark. Remember that dark. I mean, you can, you can know. Muff it up, but it's, and then there are, uh, there are other things swimming in those waters, like off in the distance that all you do is see the silhouette of it. And that's, yeah, those you, are awesome. Does it affect your sanity while you're, the whole time you're looking at them? Those are just crazy cool. Yeah. And they, they get, it's probably my favorite part. The the dives were really cool, but then they started doing them a little too much, and they started kind of losing yeah. their cool factor. Yeah, that's what happens. This again, the game was too big, I think, for its own good. There's a lot of repeating activities. It's too ambitious. It's really what it is. Is it would like it would like most of their other their other love their uh, Sherlock games are really just talking games. Mostly, it's telling a story. This 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 they try to do that, but add a lot of gameplay quote unquote to it which has turned out you're repeating the same gameplay aspects over and over again when they could have just focused on the uh the story because none mm-hmm. of the none of the um none of the uh Sherlock Holmes games I don't think are open world they're not you really just, you they're just very travel to location to location and you solve solve cases or you solve whatever problems you do this might have worked better in that particular style yeah. it may have been I feel that the the biggest drawback of the game is they were too ambitious because they wanted to do something so different than everything else they'd done before. Uh, so I think their biggest problem was they were they were too ambitious of an idea because they wanted to do something that was much more different 
than what they had previously done. Like you said, with the other Sherlock games, you literally travel from like investigated area to investigative area to investigated area. This was like, here's a whole world that's not honesty too big. Because mm -hmm. I, I get they, they want to do something different and evolve with the times and do more. Because everything's trying to be open world nowadays because you can have more fun in an open world sandbox feel. But this this storytelling of this game they should have updated their storytelling. Because one of the biggest things, because I kind of looked into the reviews of this myself, mm -hmm. and it was average reviews across the board, but everyone says that the strong suit, they're the same in every game. Like, they're cool. Like, though, the world building is wonderful. Doing the puzzle solving is really cool and doesn't hold your hand, though it is repetitive. And then the weak spot is, like, they keep taking everyone's criticism and they're like, cool, we, we, we got good stuff, we got bad stuff. But the, they're not changing the, the good stuff, and they're not changing the bad stuff at all. They're doing literally the same type of thing in everything they do. And this one is just a bigger, more wide-open version of their stuff. Mm -hmm. But like I said, with the amb being ambitious, we talked about the, uh, the world assets being fairly similar and doing a cookie-cutter copy-pasting. Mm -hmm. There's also a big thing with the people. Oh, yeah. Because there's... Two. It's just everybody's got everybody has a different beard or different hair. But it's the same face. Or not even. There's a part. There's two different uh, people that give you a storyline. There's Saint Mary's Hospital, the dude who gives you the field research side quest to let you get a backstory on kind of all the wild beasts. Mm -hmm. And then there's another guy. He wants you to go find all these boats that he bought because he's going to scrap them, but he needs to find the boats. It's literally the same dude with the handlebar mustache and slick back hair. The exact same kind of built, stocky fisherman with the handlebar mustache and slick back haircut. But he, instead of wearing a doctor's coat, he's wearing a fisherman outfit or vice versa. It's literally the same person. Yeah, that's just saving assets. Yeah. Though. And then later... I think you would notice. Later, there's a... Um, I can't remember if it was a side quest or main quest where you're investigating someone who murdered someone and you find this guy... And he is an exact copy of Charles. Charles Reed. Well, that's the story. That's though. the story. He's an exact copy. The only difference is he doesn't have a five o'clock shadow and he doesn't have scars. Yeah, but that but that's that's the person uh, they pick that guy to try to frame, yeah. try to frame you. But like for the assets thing, it's literally yeah. the, the 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 character model for Charles Reed, except for minus the five hour shadow. Four, five o'clock shadow and five hour shadow, five o'clock shadow, and uh, some of the scars you got. Yeah. Um. I said that the strong point of the game. I, th I think it's a cool game. I think it's probably. I think it's worth playing. It is definitely too long, probably, because uh, there's just lots of just lots of running around, traveling from place to place, trying to get to where the next thing is. There's lots of cool stories in here. I would advise the use of a guide because you can get lost. Because there's parts of the city that, yeah, you can go into, but it serves no purpose. Yeah. Well, you can go into some places that you you might get sent back. You might you might not you might not know. Yeah. Some place you'll go into, look around, and kill because you can be you, the guy. The guy. Well, I would warn me that you could kill stuff in certain places, and because you walk out the door and walk back in, it responds everything you kill just because that's how the game works. Yeah. So you get up running around killing stuff for no reason. I wouldn't I wouldn't explore blindly. There's no point in exploring blindly. You want to you really only want to go places. We have a case leading you there. There's no benefit to blind exploration. Cause you're just gonna be, you'll be you'll be burning through your resources fighting stuff that you have no reason to fight. 
Which also is the, uh, we mentioned the infested zones. Were they infected or infested? Infested? infected. I think in infested zones, yeah. Yeah, parts of the town where uh, they've they've walled off that are just too full of wild beasts. Uh, there's no point uh, in the game in messing with them, really. There's a few times you have to uh, go through one to get to a particular house. But my guide warned me that you cannot clear infected zones. So a lot of games will have stuff like this where you would go in and you just kill everything and it would clear it off the map. Uh, this doesn't work that way in this game, so it's best to maybe just avoid them. You could fight, because you do get experience for killing wild beasts, but like, really the it's not worth the, the, the amount of ammo it takes to work through all that mess. Mm -mm. It's your best to just avoid them. You can mark them on your map. Well, it marks them automatically on your map when you get near one. They're almost uh, probably 90 or 95% avoidable completely. Occasionally, if you if you are going to go into them, I did f notice that if you if you like hop over the wall and you immediately go crouch or go into your sneak mode or whatever, like the monsters still appear, but they don't appear aggressive because they don't know where you're at. So you can sneak, you can have monsters because like, it spawns like five or seven at a time. Yeah, and if you lot. kill all five or seven of those, because I I, I I fell into the trap once. Then, like, two seconds later, another wave, wave will spawn. Yeah. But if you hop over the wall and crouch immediately and just kind of walk, you can avoid combat and get to where you're trying to go. Like, yeah, I was just like... there are The monsters are kind of dumb. If I knew where I was going, I more or less just would hop over the wall because you had to go... There's a couple of cases that are infested. You just sprint to the house you're going to, basically. And we, I mean, and the game does hold, like, is nice that way, that if you're going to the house, they stop at the door. Yeah, they well, won't yeah, go into the, the yeah, house. They don't follow you in. Yeah, they won't follow you in. Yeah. But if you go back out, there's going to be a bunch waiting for you. You just sprint back to the to, yeah. the to the wall again and hop back over. So I'd have to worry about infested zones. But it's it's like an added, I would say, nuisance. There's yeah. no point to it. It's I an guess. added threat, but like, um, yeah, it's an added nuisance. But it, it, we just we don't really need it. Yeah. Uh, I have one last thing to add. Uh. There was a DLC that cost like $15 that we didn't try. Do you know what was in it? It was a whole extra pack. It came with a a, a new costume, which you did have costumes, and those were kind of cool. Yeah. Most of them didn't fit the character, though. No. But you had you had uh, extra costume. I think it came with two of them. And then it was a, a, a extra weapon, a, a, a stronger Tommy gun. And uh, three cases specifically dedicated to the Necronomicon. That could have been that could have been cool to have, but I mean, they said there's no achievements tied to it, and you didn't really want uh -huh. to do it. There's already so much game anyway. Exactly. It might have been neat to see it, maybe, but not worth fifteen dollars to. I don't think so. Not for fifteen bucks, because hmm. you weren't going anywhere different. You were staying. It'd be different if they had, if they created a whole new. Area, but you're just going around the same area you've already been in the whole game. Oh, it's the same part, same same city. Yeah, just different parts of the city. Maybe seeing different. Yeah, I like DLCs that take you elsewhere, but the game is called Sinking City, so I guess it makes sense that it would be. It would keep it right into the same. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's not worth it or not, but I just didn't want to go. I, I was, I was, in all honesty, I was a little tired of playing the game. Yeah, I was definitely tired of playing by the end of it. Um, Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. we had the game, GameFlyed. We had a disc, whatever. So whatever, we, we didn't we didn't buy this or anything like that. I don't think it was on. 
any. I don't think it's on Game Pass yet. Nah, I don't think probably so. Probably was on Game Pass because of the whole deb- the whole debacle. Probably kept it from being ever being on Game Pass. Now it could go. It could come to Game Pass any time, really. Yeah. Things come and go all the time. I imagine with it being in the horror genre, I imagine it might go on sale come Halloween. Yeah, Halloween or do maybe maybe, maybe maybe Game Pass will do a Halloween push. Uh, there's a lot of game here if you want to purchase it. There's a lot of game there, and you can buy the uh, they uh, you can buy the Necronomicon Necronomicon edition, which comes with the game and all its DLC. Of course, I think I've seen this on on sale a couple of times, give or take. When it comes, I see it before it left the marketplace. I think recently it it had, he said it, like he said it had come back so. Fifteen bucks. I don't think it's worth fifteen dollars. It's a lot of content here, though. No, I mean, I mean the DLC wise. DLC's so not. No, the whole game. If, if you buy the whole game for like the Necronomicon edition for twenty bucks, I mean, I would say forty or less. And forty's kind of pushing it though. Forty for forty for everything. If you can find it for forty for everything DLC it's included, a long game. Yeah, that's. And we didn't even do every. We didn't, we didn't even do every every little aspect of it. You can mm-hmm. do every little bit of it. So you got quite a bit of game there. And it's a pretty good quality game. There's a lot of good stories. I imagine we missed a couple of decent little stories there on the end. I'm sure there's a few, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a, it was a good time, but just just too long. Yeah, for sure. And I felt like I was kind of... Because I'm, I'm juggling... A, I was juggling another big game at the same time. Yeah. And it was um, going back and forth. And it was just a lot for yeah. me, personally. Yeah. Are you okay. ready to? Okay. You got anything else you want to say about that? No, I'm. I'm. I think I've got everything I, I want to say about it. It's a good game. Play yeah. it, please. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll do, like I normally do, it's my turn to uh, sell you on a band. And I think I don't know if I said it on the last my, my last band because I, I played I played a pretty harsh band, uh, Bury Your Dead, last time. Mm-hmm. I think if it, either I said it or I might said it on another or I said off podcast that I had intended to play a more do a more palatable band next time just just to just to keep things mixed up a little bit uh this is definitely a much more well-known band we've been listening listening to them for a long time for like 10 plus years coming up on ironically yeah they've been, been around since 2000 early 2000s i think yeah i forgot to look at that but the the band is actually called 10 years you may know them already they've been around for qu- quite a while uh, i've had plenty of radio play um, it's one of those things where they had a, a, a big hit song really early in their career and then people kind of just stopped talking about them which is really annoying because they've uh, been making great music for years and not they're not just about the one song the song you'd be familiar with would be Wasteland heard it uh, a ton over the years it's basically the, the song that got played the most on the radio and then people just stopped after that it's like how ba- how happens to band sometimes you get one song and then you fade into obscurity even though you keep making music I don't know it's crazy how things are um, we followed this band for a long time we've seen them 
so many times live because they're actually kind of they're actually kind of local. The they're what? Knox, they're Knoxville based Knoxville based band. So every time every every single tour they stop in Nashville, specifically Exit In because that's where they got their big break. Yeah, they they hit lots. We've seen it at Exit In. We've I don't list all the places. We've seen it a bunch of times. We saw them in, we saw them in Memphis before with Breaking Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cool little side note I wrote down to make sure I didn't forget was we did actually see them play here at uh, the marathon with Fair to Midland yeah. a long time ago and that led to I guess them being a friend the band members being friends at some point because we did see at somewhat time after that because Fair to Midland had probably broken up shortly after at some point and then we did see Fair to Midland's bassist was playing bass mm-hmm. uh for 10 years for a little while and I was looking at that today he was playing bass uh, temporarily for 10 years while their other bassist took a break to have a kid yeah but see yeah, he had a kid uh, the the bassist that's uh, I wrote it down it's Ryan Collier he was the bassist for Fair to Midland and Fair to Midland had all their financial struggles and broke up unfortunately it's the first band I played on the podcast one of my favorite bands of all time love for Fair to Midland to come back I it's will, possible will, in this day and age you never know yeah. Uh, but uh, so he he did actually. I reckon it was weird seeing him, but it wasn't too weird because we saw him we saw him play together at the same show. And then a few ten years shows later, we would see him uh, playing bass for ten years. Because ten years has had a lot of different uh, lineup changes over the years. They have two original mis- two original members are still around. Just their singer is not even one of the original members. Yeah, uh, they had a, they had a different singer on the first album, and then uh, Jesse came in on the the one after that. He took over on the one after that. It's the guitarist, uh, the main, the main, actually, it's the two guitarists. Really, are the two original members who have stuck around since the beginning. It's just kind of neat. They're still around now. They're up up to uh, nine studio albums. Uh, one of which, the very first one, the one with the original singer. I actually haven't heard that one. I've only I've only heard. Uh, I need to go on YouTube, I guess. But I've only heard the second album forward. With start with Jesse's first album. Mm-hmm. Which is killing all that holds you. That album, all those forwards, all Jesse uh, Hasek, uh, the one before. I, I don't. I, I saw. I didn't, I didn't write the guy's name down. He only did one album. He did come in uh, many years back during the uh, Feed the Wolves era, mm-hmm. where that they, they, they had a pretty. They did pretty good. They had a pretty popular song, Shoot It Out, and they did some uh, shows in Knoxville where the original singer came and did some. Uh, did a some Shoot It Out. Shoot It Out. Record, uh, Live shows with the band. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, it'd, it'd been neat to see. That would would have been. Yeah, um, they went from being uh, major labels to eventually doing their own their own label. I think it's Pale Horse Recording, something like that. They they have their own label now, so they've been doing their own thing for a while, which I kind of enjoy when bands do that. Uh, they've done it, and uh, I may have mentioned a while back with Clutch. There's this Little Maker, maybe, but bands get enough of their own footing to do their own labels. I mean, 10 years has been popular enough and maybe have got enough going for them that they got their own label now so they ain't got to worry about doing what uh, out, you know, labels want you to do to make your songs popular, I guess. You can see a kind of a shift in how their how their sound changes because I think, I think Feeding the Wolves is probably their last studio, last is there, label yeah, album. The shoot it out is the whole point of... Yeah, well, right after that, you go into the Feed the Machine, I think. Minus the Machine. Minus the Machine. Minus the Machine, you're right. Minus the Machine. And you could tell from that way forward, the sound of the, the band's sound kind of changes. I, I imagine along the lines of how they wanted it to sound. Yeah. You know, uh, which I like. Which actually, it becomes more 
rock, you know, more rock, more heavier and stuff like that, the way they want their music to sound. Because you can tell, like, the, uh, I'll say the, the first major one, which is the Autumn Effect. Mm-hmm. And then they... It's the third album. It's their third, but it's their first major one. It's the, it's the, the Autumn Effect is their first album that's on a, with a major label. Autumn Effect is the album that has Wasteland on it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the rest of your tale when they pick the song. That's going to be your single. Yeah. It'll be the only song anybody ever talks about. And then after that, they did uh, The Division, which is actually called The Division because it almost broke the band up. Yeah, it's just called Division. We actually, they, he talked about it. They talked, they've, they've talked about it over the years. We actually went to a, we, we actually saw the pretty cool, we went, we've been to two two pretty cool things with the band. We went to the uh, Feed the Wolves album release, album which, release was at, at Exodin, which was pretty cool. And we went to, uh, when they did um, Division, they played Division's anniversary. They played Division in its entirety. And uh, even Jesse was somewhat complaining on stage about this stuff. Just, like, this stuff wasn't be meant, we weren't, like, meant to play this stuff back to back. Or, like, there was just songs that had bad memories. And it's just, just, like, not a fun record to have to revisit because yeah. of, of what it put them through. So yeah, he put a lot of that energy and stuff like that in into the end of that show. But uh, I want to briefly, I have it pulled up right here on my because Drew's talking about when when a band is known for a song, mm-hmm. which the band is ten years is great. I love all their albums. They're mm-hmm. truly a wonderful yeah, band. They've, they've, they've had it, put out a new album in twenty twenty. But just to go to show you that a one a. a, a People want to call them, like a, I guess, a one-hit wonder because they only hear the one song, but they have so many other songs. I have their top five pull up right now on Spotify of their top playlists. Mm-hmm. Like their number five, it is at five point seven million plays. The shift. It's off their newest album. Mm-hmm. Then number a lot f- of plays for, for yeah. a new song. Then number four is beautiful off of Division, and it's got nine point three million. Mm. Those you know. Number three, sending it 19.2 million is Novocaine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Fix Me is uh, 20. The yeah, from Feed the Wolves is 28.5 million plays. Mm-hmm. And though, that's a lot, 25.8 million. Uh, the difference between number two and number one is significant because number one is Wasteland. It's 66.8 million plays. So many people just listen to that one. And these are monthly. Song. These are monthly plays. Yeah. This isn't yearly. These are monthly plays. People put that one song on their play on a playlist. Because like, oh yeah, ten years was cool back in the day. I don't know if they're still doing it. And they play Wasteland. And it, but they have so many other amazing songs. Yeah. Wasteland isn't even a song that I even like that much from that album. Not anymore. I've heard them. I've heard them have better songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. uh, was it? Uh, Just every, every I don't know. Dead in the water and shoot it out is amazing. Mine's machine's wonderful. Uh, sewing sewing season mm-hmm. forever season. Mm-hmm. It's one like, tightrope knives. You know they're all yeah. how to live as a ghost. They're all great. Yeah. Birth to burial is wonderful. But uh, you mentioned beautiful in there, and that's one one of my favorite. Um, this bands do different things and different things live, and he started doing it more post major label. Sin did it a couple of times, and it's so funny every time because uh, people are dumb and don't pay attention. Or to they're what, usually drunk at concerts or drunk too. or don't pay attention to what songs are about. But repeatedly at multiple shows, Jesse would uh, dedicate the song "Beautiful" to all the pretty ladies in the audience. He says "Beautiful" to all the beautiful women in the audience. Yeah, whatever. He dedicated it to all and all, all the women are like, yeah. And I was like, "What? Do y'all listen 
to the, the lyrics of the song at all. Because the whole the entire song is about being pretty only on the outside, being awful and disgusting and the worst on the inside. That's the, the entire song is about. Re, without fail, every time they play it, he, he, the, well, we seem to, we seem to do it, I seem to do it two or three times. We seem to do it enough. Enough times, and the women always cheer like, you stupid morons, man. Do you not? The ones that, those are clearly the ones who just came there to hear Wasteland and to hear Beautiful and to hear Fix Me. They hear, they just, that's the single, the single people who come there just to hear the singles. Yeah. They don't know nothing about what the band's about. I mean, it's just, it's so, so funny. He started doing that. He didn't actually do that to out because I guess he, he didn't want any label heat. He started doing that after the after the label stuff kind of cut to cut loose and just do stuff like that. Yeah. And they would do other things live too like that. But, uh, and you can, it's always my favorite one. Cause it's, it's so obvious and they're just so dumb. And you can kind of tell, uh, their agitation towards major labels over the course of three albums. Okay. Cause you have, the, like I said earlier, division is almost broke the band up mm-hmm. called division and then feed the wolves is feed is the actual record label feeding them over and over again and the actual song shoot it out which is a great song it's about the record label going come on guys hurry up shoot it out shoot it out we need another we need another we need another mm-hmm. and then they said screw you guys we're, do- we're gonna we're gonna try to do our own thing and then the very next album four or um whichever word i forget the numbering yeah. the very next album after feed the wolves is a minus the machine Mm-hmm. And they are minus the machine. The machine being the record, the major record record industry. Yeah. After and, the, after after that, they got past it. They they got they got away from the but talking crap talking. About. I mean, they still talk trash about the record labels and stuff like that because. But it's because I think uh, minus machine Ford, they've all kickstarted, right? They uh, you could just pre buy like they 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 done crowdfunding on some on some of them, but a lot of times they just they, they I think they they're well enough they, they have their own record label now they kind of just do whatever they want they have their own places to record and stuff like that so they just keep putting that, keep cranking them out every two years or so there's an album and they're, and they're good I've enjoyed all of them I need to listen yeah. to the uh, is it violent allies is it violent or violent violent allies okay, I need to listen to that I haven't listened to that one enough yet but I've li- I need to I need to add it to my playlist yeah. But uh, I guess uh, that's great. Uh, I guess I'll wrap things up here. Uh, Blake said it earlier, but uh, I'm going to play the uh, actual title track uh, from Birth to Burial from the album From Birth to Burial. I, my bad. I, didn't even... it's a, <laughs> I don't think I told you what song I was going to play, did I? No, but I was so, just saying it's a good, it's, it's a, a great a, song. fantastic <laughs> song uh, from that album. That is their seventh album. If you count, if you, cause I, I will count, we'll count the original two. Un, un, but through the iris and all that holds me or something like that. No, it's a uh, killing all that holds me. The one before that, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but there's two albums before record labels, but they put them out. They said they still sell killing all that holds you at a lot of their shows. You can buy a CD of it. It's, I mean, it's not, those first two aren't on Spotify, but you can apparently catch them on, uh, YouTube if you want to hear what they sound like Killing All That uh, Holds You actually has uh, some pretty cool unique songs on there that they do play live occasionally but the so, only way to get those is to get that album get that CD yeah um, so anyway I'll wrap things up here after Blake says his little piece you know do all our social media stuff hit us up on there watch us play some Twitch come play some games with us we got a couple of games we play, play with people um Join our Patreon, you know, help us out. Like I said, Patreon just helps us keep, you know, pay for the stuff we do here, the the devious pixel art and just buying random crap we need for the podcast and everything like that. 
so I think that's all I got. And you'll be hearing uh, again from 10 years uh, from birth to burial. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. Say goodbye